Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week. First up from stuff on the 9th of May, property market correction not over yet. Second topic, one roof, 9th of May, triple CFA changes, Uber Eats and Netflix back on the menu for mortgage applicants. Third topic from interest.co.nz on the 9th of May, average dwelling value continuing to decline by more than $1,000 a week. Fourth topic, stuff on the 10th of May, weaker market, pretty good for first home buyers. Fifth topic, the mortgage mag, 10th of May, house buyers slow on reading the market changes. So first up this week from stuff on the 9th of May, property market correction not over yet. Quotable value believes that the market downturn is not over yet. Based on the company's latest data, the average national price was down another 0.6% to 902501 in April. And the monthly drop meant that the national price had fallen 4.5% since the beginning of the year, but the rate of decline had slowed from 1.4% in March. According to QV national spokesperson Simon Peterson, the average rate of price falls has slowed in 10 out of the 16 urban areas they monitored. However, the results were mixed across the country, with other areas recording a faster rate of price declines last month, he said. Christchurch is an example. Prices have fallen by 2.8% in April in the area. This is a rise from the 0.5% decrease seen in March. The city's three-month rolling average increased from 1.2% to 3.7%, and the average price was down 10% year-on-year in April. Christchurch-based QV registered valuer Olivia Brownie stated that the city's a bit late in terms of the current property cycle compared to the rest of the country. She explained that prices held up better for most of last year, but buyers were indecisive and prices are being dropped, especially for ones that didn't meet good criteria. However, she is hopeful that after seeing signs of interest rates peaking and other factors such as the increase in migration, the market may reach equilibrium in the greater Christchurch area after winter. Prices in Dunedin fell by 2.2% in April compared to 0.4% in March, and the quarterly drop was 3.1% compared to 1.6% the previous month. Its average price is now 619622 down 11.3% from the same time last year. In Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton and Tauranga, the quarterly rate of price decline has slowed. Prices in Auckland fell 4.4% in the three months to April, compared to 5.2% quarterly drop in March. The region's average was now 1.26 million, a 15.4% decrease year on year. Prices in the Wellington region fell by 3.7% over the quarter, compared to a 4.8% drop in the previous quarter. The regional average was $838,158 as a result. Peterson said, while credit constraints and high interest rates continued to have a stranglehold on the market, there were some signs that the market could be approaching a balance. He added that it may be too early to predict when the downturn would bottom out, but the Reserve Bank's proposal to ease loan-to-value restrictions could see buyers returning. Stronger immigration numbers could lead to higher demand for housing. So my take on this is, you know, it's the difference between what sort of statistics you're looking at, medians or averages, because medians are certainly showing an increase, whereas the averages are showing a decrease. It just depends on how you spin those stats. 
So if you're talking to real estate agents on the ground and uh, looking at open homes and things like that, there's a lot of evidence that the market activity is certainly starting to pick up. And from our perspective, we are absolutely seeing that with more and more people registering for our free online weekly training sessions as well. So, you know, that's an early indication that people are starting to learn more about investing or purchasing and getting ready to step into the market, which obviously results in increased market activity and then increased prices. Okay, so t- second topic for this week in review, One Roof on the 9th of May, Triple CFA changes, Uber Eats and Netflix back on the menu for mortgage applicants. The latest changes to the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act now gives homeowners more freedom towards discretionary spending while still making them eligible for a home loan, which is great news. You're not going to get turned down for buying a cappuccino anymore. Last Thursday, the government reversed its position on allowing banks to limit the expenses considered by lenders and exclude discretionary spending. After being blamed for a drop in lending activity across a range of consumer credit products, the triple CFA was re-examined. The first batch of changes in July last year excluded savings and investments as part of ongoing expenses. Previous spending habits and future spending habit considerations were also removed. Easy Street Mortgages financial advisor Gareth Beal said some banks have already adopted the changes ahead of them, which means more people are now eligible for loans or could afford to borrow more and therefore buy a better home. Banks no longer calculate discretionary expenses such as Netflix subscriptions and Kmart shopping trips as factors for eligibility. Beal said this was sensible as most people spend what they had left after paying rent, power and other expenses. Banks shouldn't expect someone with a home loan to have the same spending habits. Although the latest changes don't appear to be very remarkable, CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson said it was only a small part of the problem. He said it wouldn't make much of a difference compared to someone's ability to meet serviceability criteria. According to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's latest financial stability report, mortgage serviceability test rates are now in the mid-8% to early 9% range. People had to be able to demonstrate income stability as well. Davidson believes that the recent changes don't transform things on its own. However, when the easing of LVRs, peaking mortgage rates, tighter listings and net migration are taken into account, it just supports the notion that the downturn's almost done. Couldn't agree more. According to Roger Beaumont, Chief Executive of the New Zealand Banking Association, the latest changes to the triple CFA regulations still required affordability assessments for all types of lending and borrowers. The assessments were also conducted on any new credit, ranging from an increased overdraft or credit card limit to a home loan, which could be problematic in the event of natural disasters or a change in personal circumstances. Want to learn more about investing in property? Join me at one of our free events, How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. And if you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, You can either attend one of our free events, because I also talk about this towards the end of the session, or you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website also at propertyapprentice.co.nz. 
third topic for this week in review from interest.co.nz, 9th of May. Average dwelling value continuing to decline by more than $1,000 a week. So again, difference between averages and medians. Housing values are continuing to fall across most of the country with the national average dwelling value falling by more than $1,000 a week. The QB House Price Index shows that the national average dwelling was $902,501 in value at the end of April, a $5,236 decrease from the end of March, and a $161,264 decrease from the peak value at the start of last year. Now, it irritates me that people keep comparing this to the peak value at the start of last year. Um, when there's a significant increase in the two-month period just leading up to that. If you want to hear more about that, join me at one of our free events because I'll bang on about it for quite a while. The average dwelling value declined by 3.5% over the three months to the end of April. This was a slightly lower rate of decline compared to the 3.9% fall over the three months to March. Queenstown Lakes was the only major area to post an increase in average values up 2.8% over the three months to the end of April. However, due to the small size of the market, Queenstown's figures can be volatile and the April figure followed a 3.2% drop in average values over the three months to the end of March. QV National Spokesperson Simon Peterson said that the real estate market is still climbing down from the significant home value growth we observed in 2020 and 2021 and this winter may be tough for the market. I suspect it might not be as tough as a lot of people think. Fourth topic for this week in review from Stuff on the 10th of May. Weaker market, pretty good for first home buyers. Something we've been saying for a while. A property researcher believes that as first home buyers' share of purchases remains at near record levels, they're also getting more for their money when they buy. Sales activity has been slow due to the market downturn, rising mortgage rates and credit constraints. According to CoreLogic's latest first-home buyer report, the number of sales to people buying their first homes was the lowest for the first quarter of the year since 2011. However, it also showed that first-home buyers' share of the market remained strong at around 25% of all purchases nationwide in the first quarter of this year. First-home buyers' market share was above average in all of the main centres and they had the highest share in Hamilton at 33% up 9% compared to the long-term average. In Wellington, their market share was 30%, while in Auckland and Christchurch, it was close to 30%, and in Dunedin, it was above 25%. CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson said there were several factors influencing the strength of first-home buyers in a weaker market. He pointed to their access to KiwiSaver deposits, willingness to compromise on the type and location of a property, and the higher price caps under the first home grant and loan. He added that first home buyers were taking advantage of low deposit lending quotas to the bank and accounting for about 80% of the limit. As mortgaged investors get locked out of the market, there's also less competition. There's more housing stock in the market and the drop in prices has made more options available to first home buyers. Davidson claimed this combination shows that first home buyers are getting more for their money and this is supported by the report. Standalone homes account for 75% of first-home buyers' purchases. In contrast, the share of apartments going to first-home buyers has slipped from 21% last year to 18%. The median price paid by first-home buyers fell to $680,000 in the first quarter, 
from 730000 in 2022. However, the median price was significantly higher than the lower quartile price for all buyers, which was 555000 Davidson said that the drop in price being paid was not due to them buying smaller or cheaper properties. According to him, the median first home buyer price in the main centres was below the figure for all buyers, but higher than the lower quartile of all buyers. For Davidson, this shows first home buyers don't always enter at the bottom of the market and work their way up because many will enter well above the bottom rung of the ladder. First home buyers in Auckland paid the most with a median price of $885,000, down from a million dollars a year ago. This is followed by those coming from Wellington, Tauranga and Hamilton. Whanganui and Invercargill were the most affordable with medians of $425,000 and $400,000. Davidson thinks there will still be frustrated people because of credit and affordability constraints, but those who can get lending will have it pretty good. He added that should caps on debt-to-income ratios be imposed next year, it will restrain price growth, but this will hinder investors more than first-home buyers. As I've mentioned previously, I'll be really surprised if the Reserve Bank introduces the debt-to-income ratios in March next year. I think um, they'll bring that in if they need to slow the market down again, and it could be a while before we end up into the rapid booming period of the next phase. Fifth topic for this week in review, the mortgage mag on the 10th of May, house buyers slow on reading the market changes. Here we go. This is exactly what we've been talking about. Economist Tony Alexander says a lot of people will miss the signs once the New Zealand housing market turns as it has in Australia. Australia is anticipating a record 650,000 new arrivals into the country over 2023 to 2024. And this is set amidst falling house construction levels because of high financing and material costs. It's been called a perfect storm. The RBA warns that this could increase pressure on inflation and interest rates. And immigration-fueled inflation is not what it had planned. New Zealand is going through its own immigration boom. The country's gained 52,000 people in the last year after losing 20,000 the previous year. Alexander explains that more people means higher demand for housing, higher prices, and higher rent. Mortgage advisors will also need to work harder. He added that at some stage, those waiting around for prices to fall further will soon notice the pace of population growth and what that implies for house prices. New Zealand might not be at that point just yet, but Australia has been there in the last three months. Before getting too excited about the migration boom, Alexander claims that the average annual population gain between 2014 and 2019 was 58,000 people per year. When 2020, 21 and 22 are added, the net gain for those three years plus the first two months of this year is 67,000. If it weren't for the pandemic, the net gain might have been 184,000. He said some rough estimates show that the country's on track to have about 18,000 extra houses beyond what would have been built without the pandemic and the resulting boom in prices. Alexander says that once people realise what's happening with demand and financing, they'll also realise that the pace of growth in new housing numbers is easing off. There'll be more liquidation of contracting and building companies, and buyers will refrain from new builds because there'll be more losses. Because house prices have fallen so dramatically, he claims that many people who signed up for a house off the plan with a deposit of 25 to 
will now be unable to obtain the financing their bank offered them at the time. Against logic and past experience, housing prices have not just stabilised but also turned the corner across the ditch. After going through the most difficult series of interest rate hikes in Australian history, every capital city except for Darwin had a rise in real estate prices last month, with Sydney leading the way. Some commentators think that the pause in interest rate hikes might have given the wrong signal through the economy. And on this note, I'd just like to say that we had a blast during last night's special event where we talked about the evidence supporting this. In case you missed it, don't worry, we'll keep all our facts updated. Join me for an upcoming session as I discuss my tips as a financial advisor regarding strategies for successful investing. They're live training sessions held either online or in our office, and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as possible. You can register on our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz. Check out the details there. And if you'd like to have a no-obligation chat with my husband, Paul, to see how we can help you like we're helping the thousands of our existing clients, you can also book a meeting or a phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. Music.